0: Hello and welcome to the St Mark's MK podcast. We are a small community in Milton Keynes growing in faith as disciples of Jesus while showing love and sharing hope to all our neighbours. Thank you for joining our village. We hope this conversation about building a life of peace and meaning helps you. It will make much more sense if you use these episodes as conversation starters with others and see where the grace of God leads you. (laughs) Sitting comfortably? Good. Here's a story from a book called Soul Keeping by John Orberg. There was once a town high in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by springs that were old as the earth and deep as the sea. The water was clear like crystal. Children laughed and played beside it. Swans and geese swam on it. You could see the rocks and the sand and the rainbow trout that swarmed at the bottom of the stream. High in the hills, far beyond anyone's sight, lived an old man who served as keeper of the springs. He had been hired so long ago that no one could remember a time when he wasn't there. He would travel from one spring to another in the hills, removing branches or fallen leaves or debris that might pollute the water, but his work was unseen. One year, the town council decided they had better that they had better things to do with their money. No one supervised the old man anyway. They had roads to repair and taxes to collect and services to offer and giving money to an unseen stream cleaner had become a luxury that they could no longer afford. So the old man was relieved from his post. High in the mountains, the springs went untended. Twigs and branches and worse, muddied the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm wastes turned parts of the streams into stagnant bogs. For a time, no one in the village noticed. But after a while, the water was not the same. It began to look brackish. The swans flew away to live elsewhere. The water no longer had that crisp scent that drew children to play by it. Some people in the town began to grow ill. All noticed the loss of sparkle and beauty that used to flow between the banks of the streams that fed the town. The life of the village depended on the stream and the life of the stream depended on the keeper. The City Council reconvened, the money was found, the old man was rehired. After yet another time the springs were cleaned, the stream was pure, children played again on its banks, illness was replaced by health, the swans came home and the village came back to life. The life of a village depended on the health of the stream. The stream is your soul and you are the keeper. So if I'm the keeper of the stream what is it that I do to bring back life to it? There was apparently this report that was delivered to an American, sub, uh, American Senate subcommittee back in uh, 1967, uh, and the report stated that by the year 1988, the average American would work for 22 hours a week. 22 hours a week. Oh, and they'd only need to do that for 27 weeks of the year. There was so much that was being invented that would speed up people's lives. You could now put your dishes in a machine to wash them. You could now get a shirt that didn't need ironing. The cars had uh, controls that you didn't even need to change gear. You could set cruise control on them. They had fridges, which meant you could shop for weeks at a time rather than days and hours at a time. There were so many technological advances that they believed that we'd be able to work for 22 hours a week only and we'd only need to do it for 27 weeks a year the rest of the time said the report that all the people that had given up half of their work life as we would see it would be able to go to the beach they'd be able to go to the park they'd be able to sit around a table with friends they'd be able to play frisbee and enjoy a barbecue they'd be able to invest in leisure and time off because that was a great ideal pursuit Doesn't it feel different today? Imagine if you met somebody who boasted about the fact that they only work part of the time and they only do it for that part of the year and the rest of the time. They just bum around on the beach. You would think about that person that they're not doing things right. Somehow they're not contributing enough to this world. Author Brené Brown said this, It takes courage to say yes to rest and play in a culture where exhaustion is seen as a status symbol. There's this old biblical concept of Sabbath. It's this word that means literally at its most literal to stop. We first encounter it right at the beginning of the Bible in this poem about how the world and everything came to be. And if you've ever got caught up on some left field argument about whether the poem is literal or not just ignore that that's nonsense but the poem was meant to tell us so much more than that it was meant to color in vividly the nature and character of God and the universe and you and me and in this poem this story God creates everything and then he sabbaths he stops he takes time off And he points out that it's sown into, weaved into the nature of all things that rest is important, that stopping is important, that joy and delight is important, that it shouldn't just all be about work, work, work. In fact, this, this rhythm, this habit, this structure has become so important to the people of God that God gives it to them in one of their big ten commandments. These big ten. Imagine you're 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 handing your house over to a, a guest who's going to look after it for a, for two weeks whilst you go on holiday, and you write down some instructions about the Wi-Fi code and what day the bins go out, and that, that sometimes you deliver some milk to your neighbour because they're elderly or whatever, and so you've got these ten things that you want them to know. Uh, Imagine if you've got 10 things that you want your kids to know as they go to university or you've got the 10 most important things you want to tell somebody who's going to take over your job when you retire. This is 10 things that God tells us and he wastes one of them on this commandment, Sabbath, stop, rest. I, I wouldn't write that in any of my top, top 10 lists. I, I, I've got stuff to do. I've got things that are important to say. And God uses one of his commands on rest. In fact, he says, offer this rest and keep this day holy. Offer it to God as an act of worship. And so the people of God have this rhythm in their lives where they stop each week and they don't, they don't do too much work. They enjoy meals around tables. They don't Uh, catch up with chores on that day they rest and it's literally a day of recreating their body recreating their mind recreating their soul recreating their spirit much later jesus um, was wandering around with his disciples and he gets into a spot of bother because Remember, he's a rabbi who's got a yoke and he interprets this rule of rest in a different way to some other rabbis. And so they have a bit of a poke at him and they're like, hey, why don't your disciples do what we think they should be doing on the Sabbath? Why are they picking corn? And Jesus says to them this remarkable statement. He says, the Sabbath was made for you. Do you see the flip? It started off at the beginning of the Bible as it's an action to God. And now it's something for you. It's good for you. It's the day where you get to stop. Stop working. Stop worrying. Stop stressing. Stop accumulating. Stop achieving. Stop attempting to do stuff which feels out of reach. Stop having to do the chores around the house. You get to breathe and relax. It's the day you get to sleep in. It's the day you get to eat popcorn for breakfast if you want to. There's a writer called Dan Allender, and he describes the Sabbath like this: The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives, without question or thought. It is the best day of the week. It is the day that we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. The day we remember on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time when we feast play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. Few people, he says, are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it, to make it holy, because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. So if that description is true, and it's the day that I get to stop all of the duty and pick up delight and revel in it, then why is it so hard to say yes? Why do I choose to cling on to my busyness and what I'm trying to achieve? Why do I choose to get my fulfillment and my satisfaction and my identity and still running hard? Why on earth would I turn my back on that regular pattern of joy and delight what is it about me that keeps me hurrying and checking on my emails that's what we're going to dive into next as we think what is it about us that keeps us and prevents us from saying yes to that and then when we become people that want to say yes to it how do we actually do it thanks for listening keep the conversation going with friends and join us anytime have a look at stmarksmk.com to see what our village is getting up to you're so welcome to join us. Until next time, be blessed by the giver of peace.